The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us for a second day stuck in Manhattan from MASH Minute, Tierney Steele Callahan. Welcome back. They let me back in the house! (laughs) Well, more like we just didn't let you out of the prison. (laughs) Fair, but... It's a much nicer prison than the one depicted in this movie, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, what do you? Yeah, yeah, the Escape from New York Minute Studios. We really tried to make uh, people feel like they really are trapped in prison, so we can get them into a kind of method. Uh, I was just gonna say it's very method of these yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this minute starts with a pan uh, continuing uh, that long pan from yesterday. Yep. Uh, away from the Liberty Island security control sign, and it ends with some guards walking our big hero, Snake, into a building. And so, as teased at the end of yesterday, here's the cool move that we have here at the start of this minute. The camera is finishing the pan from the Liberty Island security control, and then we've got about mm, two, three seconds of black, but you can still notice the camera is moving even though it's black. And then we go to lots of guards and helicopters clearly still on Statue of uh, Island Liberty control. However, they are not at the Statue of Liberty Island in reality when filming this anymore. That pan was an edit where they transitioned from the Statue of Liberty to the Sepulveda Dam uh, north of Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley where this location shot is. And it is a really great movie-making minute there where you have no idea that that was done. This is what Alfred Hitchcock did in the movie Rope, which is famous for having about only about five or six takes of the entire for the entire movie. He filmed mm-hmm. however long a reel was uh, and then would like zoom in on someone's back or zoom in on a window or something like that and then zoom out. And that was just him basically changing the reels on the film. Uh, and so that transition just reminded me of that as a way of having a really long shot that is actually a cut together of different shots to make look like one shot and this is a fantastic set yes Mm -hmm. or location whatever you want to call it with that giant american flag again i being from the tri-state area growing up when i did 9-11 blah 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 it's like wow all the feels when you see a flag that big draped off a dam or off a bridge or whatever it is yeah it is pretty cool uh, the other thing I read about this is that they also use it to <laughs> to tape car commercials, so a little <laughs> less uh, patriotic. Well, maybe it is really patriotic, actually, now that I'm saying it. But, uh, yeah, it feels very expansive. And, yeah. you know, you see a lot of just like, I don't know, this is like a really cool kind of expendable sort of space with a, a couple of choppers. And, and, again, we've got the, uh, the, the moist ground mm-hmm. <laughs> continuing from the previous minute. Uh, But yeah, I was kind of curious about like, is this like a parking lot? Like, where is this structurally located, you know, on the premises? Because obviously you've got like a loading area here because we got a bus that rolls in just in a second. You know, honestly, I don't, (laughs) I have never been to, I'm trying to think if I've ever been to a dam in my life. 
Oh yeah, okay. Actually, Tierney, you probably know this place. Do you know the uh, the Kensico Dam in Westchester? I know the name, but okay. I nothing is coming to mind <laughs> other than that. Uh, that doesn't look anything like this, though. It's <laughs> smack in the middle of Westchester, and it's surrounded by like trees and, and a playground and stuff. So uh, yeah. I've never been to like the Hoover Dam or any of the big famous dams. So yeah, I have been to small dams that oh. like a person could <laughs> climb up if they wanted to. <laughs> uh, so I do not know like what the heck this area would be what's it all i know molly can you save us here you got any dam experience you know i think a dam is a crappy vacation so i mean <laughs> I've, I've driven past a dam but i just feel like a you know taking your family to a dam is like i don't know it's like just take them to a park man you know it's like a lot of i mean it's cool like we have one uh we've got like this hippie refuge that's near us called brighton bush and it's a it's a hot springs resort basically i say resort lightly but it's it's kind of like a hippie space but on the way you have like a, a pretty immense uh dam and you can go down and you can like check out um there's some sort of like fisheries down there like i don't know if they're doing salmon or whatever but uh, that's the closest I've ever seen of a dam because I've never really been like, oh, sweet man, let's go, let's go see some water, you know, like flowing out <laughs> of some sort of man-made structure for fun. It just seemed, just didn't seem like the thing to do. But this is really cool. I dig this. I think that this is a really good application of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard I, the tours behind the scenes, like the jet, like that could be cool and interesting. I guess. I think the most dam experience I have is watching fools rush in starring Salma Hayek and Matthew Perry. I loved that movie and watched it so many times. And the Hoover Dam features prominently. They drive back and forth over it a lot. And that's probably the most I've ever seen of anything that size in my life. So we got a guy who uh, popped out uh, the other side of that little like office space, and he seems to be heading towards this helicopter here, or he's headed home. That was kind of my question: is like, do you are you going on patrol at this point because you've got a bag with you, or, or have you been basically released from duty? And that's mm-hmm. like you know a duty spot that they were, you know, where he was passing the phone off to Remy a minute ago, but we don't really see where he heads off to in particular because we have this fine bus pulling up uh, who is going to deliver our protagonist. Yeah, it is. And before he comes off the bus, I got one quick thing to say. Mm -hmm. We see the U.S. Police Force logo on the front, which means, Molly, we now know what was on that plaque back in minute five we were talking about oh. but you couldn't figure out. And I, 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 that's that's what it was. Okay. That logo carved into the concrete sign. I yep. had that for next minute because it's on all the helicopters and the bus and the and it's on this it's well spoilers for the next minute it's on the stairs inside too because I noticed it was popping up all over the place and I wasn't sure exactly what it was yep. oh that's cool just in case you had forgotten where you were and who owns everything they <laughs> yeah. they put stickers up to let you know well and it's a good design. I'm trying to think. It's not mid-century. It's a little before that. Whatever, you know, like the WPA logos and stuff. Yeah, you're right. It's not a futuristic logo for a movie. No, not at all. uh, uh, 17 years after the year that this was made. You're right. It's kind of a throwback from the 40s or 50s look. Yeah, that's interesting. And considering a lot of the typefaces they use, like we'll see, you know, when they get actually inside of the building, uh, we're just talking about the orange line. Like that's really uh, what I associate sci-fi type, which mm-hmm. you might see, you know, uh, in like a spaceship 
where they have yeah. to use, you know, like it's stencil, it's it's for efficiency. But uh, it's it's interesting that you have that little nod to that this is in the quote unquote future. But you're right, you have all of this, uh, these logos that are uh, kind of a throwback. And uh, one more thing before we move on to that, that really bugged me is I was going through the trivia for this movie. So again, I mean, like, that's not the most reliable source for information. But it said, uh, shorter prison guards here are female extras. But couldn't they just be female prison guards? Like, we're going to see women in uniform, right? Did I imagine that? How sexist is the future in this movie? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is in general a pretty masculine flick. Although I, I feel like, you know, there, there can be an argument made with, with Maggie later on. But I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of testosterone, especially in the beginning of this movie. There's, there's a little hint with her, you know, but I think she's the, the one, you know, the one uh, bright, quote unquote, feminist space, I guess you could maybe call it. But I think this is just in general, the tone of it is, is quite masculine. That's why I was like, just pointing it out of, of to kind of put it in people's minds. Of mm-hmm. kind of where does this fall? Because I'm currently analyzing <laughs> a movie that is not very nice to women mm. or men either. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very male space. <laughs> I read uh, a lot of James Michener, and he does his fictional histories, and he did one of Hawaii mm. and talking about. Molokai and the leper colony and the mm. horrible things there. And it was just the minute they said like, yep, we just cut off this Island and we put people in there and whatever happens happens. And I'm like, Oh God, every woman sent to that Island. Mm. Uh, because historically, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate your perspective. <laughs> You're here. You're here to bring your perspective, you know. And this is what you've been looking at recently. And this is also uh, a period piece in the sense that this is early '80s, and I think that there's a lot of traditional masculine tropes, and even in the way it's shot. I came from. I mean, doing Cabin in the Woods, you know, that was definitely uh, a conversation piece about strong women. So that's where I came from before here. So from speaking of like the other, you know, side of it, I think this is not an egalitarian brotherhood. And that's a (laughs) lot of what I think this whole movie is talking about. Um, You're not seeing a whole lot of pro-feminist, diverse, you know, ideas. I think that this is a lot about a a, a crumbling of democracy and just a, a crumbling of a fabric of society. So they need uh, Captain Picard so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they surely do <laughs> or a Janeway actually what they need is some Janeway wow. up in here. <laughs> baby steps <laughs> you want to talk about balancing it out but yeah I appreciate that I mean I, I appreciate your perspective of saying hey where are the ladies at this is not yeah. Judge Dredd one note that I had kind of for this whole stretch but I wasn't sure where it fit was how much these early minutes, especially, but after the action scene of the raft, um, and again, I didn't know what minutes I was going to be on when I first watched it. I actually commented, I was like, God, this is like a silent movie. What are they going to talk about in this part? And then you gave me my minutes and I'm like, 
oh, <laughs> whatever well, we talk about. <laughs> speaking of talking, it's funny to say that because I actually, I decided before we started that I wanted to see how many of our episodes were going to be minutes that have literally no dialogue at all. And this actually is the Hello. first instance of it. So uh, yeah. I'm going to keep track. I don't know how many we're going to have because there are long stretches that have no talking. But, I was going to say, more than uh, most movies. <laughs> yeah, but how many will be the contained one minute that we cover per episode? So this is, this is number one, and we'll see how many we end up with. All right, let's get to our anti-hero here. Someone Ooh. steps off the bus. This is Snake Plissken. He is our hero. And remember, for everyone who's been listening since the beginning, all those eight minutes ago, uh, that... <laughs> It, originally, we already would have seen Snake. Of course, the deleted scene at the beginning of the movie would have had Snake with the, the robbery of the bank that lands him in the prison. And here's a quote from Kurt Russell, who would play Snake, about that decision that John Carpenter made. He says, John cut that part out of the movie, and for the first time ever, really, I thought it was really fascinating. The guy walks on the screen, walks off a bus, and he's just like, fuck you. Doesn't care about anybody or anything. He's a bad boy. It's never explained where he came from. And this is the gist of why I think it's good that he cut that scene. And I mean, we've we've gone into depth already about uh, why the scene was cut. But it's right. This is a great introduction. We don't yet know who this person is. He's stepping off a bus. He's in handcuffs. We follow him. Takes probably 10, 20 seconds. Oh, okay, this is probably going to be the main character of the movie. And it's great. But if you've already seen that introductory scene... I, I do. I think it takes away a bit of the dramatics of the entrance here of our hero. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think him getting dropped in like this is is really interesting. I think the other part of this that's, that's very interesting to me is that this is not like Hannibal Lecter being wheeled into the prison. To me, this seems very unceremonious. You really don't get a sense that he's like a badass out the gate, mm. you know. And, and I don't think really, and we can definitely argue about this when it comes back up but when he even when he gets into you know bob hauk's office you you don't get a sense of like that he's a bad i mean you you get to you get a sense he's a rough character but you don't get a sense that he is there's this this gravity behind him as a person um that there the prison is preparing for him yeah i think i would want still to follow him as he walks across but I think it would add to your your point if you saw other people on that bus standing up. Even if we only saw him getting... Because he gets off and then the guard is right behind him. Mm -hmm. But if you saw like, oh, and there are other prisoners on that bus too. That would be more like, oh yeah, this is just... This is one of the guys who's obviously been sentenced to the prison. And you know he must have done something to get that, but... You're right. I, I, it takes a long time for the legend to kind of build up, which I was going to talk about tomorrow. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah um, I, I just absolutely loved that Kurt Russell says this is his favorite of his films and his yep. favorite character. Mm -hmm. um, although I will pour one out for the movie Overboard and Herb for <laughs> Miracle. But that's all right. That's all right. I, I see his point. Yeah, this is this is our main man. I mean, we got a legitimate Hollywood A-list star here as a star of our movie. It's interesting that, you know, he's been in so many movies over the years that it's probably been completely forgotten about the fact that he started out as a child actor. 
Mm-hmm. He was in mm-hmm. like a bunch of Disney movies, and he was he would guest starring in sitcoms. His first job was uh, in 1962 when he was 11 years old. He was on a Dennis the Menace episode, and he you know then made the jump to movies and has become this you know has been Kurt Russell. But I mean, he was such a big part of the Disney uh, thing. Now again, much like you said, Tierney, I read this on the internet. With book thing. I, I don't yep. I don't know I don't know how real this is or not so take this with a grain of salt because it's the internet but <laughs> supposedly one website says that walt disney right before he died the last thing he did was he wrote the name kurt russell on a piece of paper <laughs> whoa so you know because well, they were close i, I, I don't I know, know if but, that you know, happened <laughs> I, I mean it sounds a little apocryphal but i'll throw it out there you can believe it if you want to and you, you can not believe it if you don't want to but uh you know, uh, I mean, who doesn't love Kurt Russell, Backdraft, Stargate, Thing, Guardians of the Galaxy, Big Trouble Little China. I mean, just the guy's got such an impressive resume. And he was Ted Nugent's best man at his wedding. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and Kurt Russell played minor league ball. He has a baseball reference page. Yes, he He's does. He's a second baseman. Mm-hmm. And so did his dad. Yeah, he made it all the way up to Double A, which for people that don't know is the mm-hmm. second highest level in the minors. And then he hurt his shoulder on a fielding play and, and wasn't able to play again. So uh, mm-hmm. he went back to acting. Another interesting thing about him is he's an FAA licensed private pilot, which I think is kind of cool. That's uh, cool. Considering yeah. what he does later on in the movie in about five ten minutes. <laughs> in, indeed, yeah, that seems and you know he was inspired. <laughs> yeah, right up his alley. Um, I also read he was considered for the role of Han Solo, so mm. he was a part of that audition. Um, and he did the voice of Elvis Presley and Forrest Gump. I noticed that too, because they talk about what like um, a crazy Elvis fan he was or something, mm-hmm. and I had no idea he did the voice for that. Well, he played could... Elvis um, in a TV movie directed by mm. John Carpenter, mm-hmm. and that's why Carpenter wanted him for this role. It all came full circle yeah, a decade yeah. and a few years later. <laughs> and, and and that's a nice segue to this other uh, information I found about who else could have been cast as Snake Plissken because there was some tension between John Carpenter and the producers. Avco Embassy Pictures, who we talked about back at the beginning, they wanted Charles Bronson or Tommy Lee Jones for this role. And Carpenter said Bronson's too old, and he was afraid that with an experienced actor, he'd lose control of the movie, and he only wanted Kurt Russell, and he fought hard for it, and he got it. And mm-hmm. Russell at that time, uh, as I mentioned, he'd been mostly known as a child actor and for these Disney films, and he really wanted to change his image. And so he bulked up, and he really wanted this role, and stayed in character, did, did, did the thing where you stay in character between takes. Oh, uh, and- I got something on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kurt Russell is was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, and has a kid named Boston, Boston Russell, who was just a baby, and I could not find any actual evidence of this, but supposedly at the end of the day, Boston was bottle fed, and so Kurt Russell would still be in costume as Snake Plissken and feeding him. <laughs> oh, and gotta that find is a image. mental oh. image and a half. Yes. <laughs> Um, and because he would stay in, yeah, it, it, the only thing I heard was he would like flip up the eye patch and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know. And that was just for his own self-preservation. <laughs> you don't want to scare your kid, you know, with the, with the patch. Well, yeah. apparently, because it, it messes up your death perception. Well, I guess so, they had a couple different eye patches. They had a, a transparent one for action scenes and one that was opaque. But yeah, that I, makes I, sense. 
actually. Yeah. That's really smart. So this is uh, uh, something that I, I did on my, my previous movies by Minute. I'd like to throw some names out at you of other actors who were born the same year as Kurt Russell. So you can sort of get a sense who his contemporaries are and wonder in, in everyone's brain, you know, uh, what, how would the world be different if this person instead had played Snake Plissken? Uh, so here's some other actors, just not, not everybody, just a little sampling of other people born in 1962. William Catt, the greatest American hero. Woo! Yeah. I love Fred, William Catt. <laughs> there you go. Fred Berry, rerun from What's Happening. Tony Danza. <laughs> mm. Stellan Skarsgård. Oh. Uh, here's one that would have made this movie taken it in a completely different direction. Robin Williams. Here's someone who actually I think could have pulled it off. Mark Harmon. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have been such a cheesier version, though. <laughs> well, or, but, or if it was Tony Danza, would his career just have gone in a completely different direction? I would sure imagine so, yeah. You know, like, like who changes more? Does the role change the person, or does the person change the role? <laughs> Harry Hamlin, sort of a Mark Harmon similar uh, vibe there. I get them mixed up all the time. Uh, <laughs> this would have been interesting, considering he already was uh, the uh, the hugest franchise there is. Mark Hamill, same age as Kurt Russell. How about what? if he? Had, how about if he had followed up Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back? with Escape from New York. That would have been so baller. I have to sit down. I'm already sitting down. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Mark Hamill and Kurt Russell are the same age? Yes, they are. And I feel like in a a lower-budgeted version of this movie, uh, Lou Ferrigno would have done it. That would have been very interesting. Yeah. Because he's like, he was the Hulk, yeah? Yeah, and he also, he he was in a movie, he did headline a movie called Hercules, where he played Hercules. Hmm. Uh, Which I... I'm doing this off the top of my head. It was roughly around the same time of this movie. He was kind of like a a B Schwarzenegger in a sense. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, you know, everyone in your your what-ifs of your brains, you know, think about all those different people uh, playing Snake Plissken. So thank you, Tierney, for joining us today for Minute 8. Can you let us know uh, where people can find you out in the interwebs and podcast land? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In the interwebs, you can... Find me on Twitter at One Steel Sister, O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, in my profile, I have links to the handles for the different shows I've done, and I'm pretty sure they all link to their websites, or at least at some point they did. I can probably <laughs> double-check that. But that's kind of the catch-all place. And if you go and tool around on moviesbyminutes.com, I've guested on a bunch of shows, which is fabulous and exciting. And someday I will build a website of my own with links to that, because that would probably be good to have. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool, cool. And as far as the Escape by New York Minute podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at NYMinutePod and through Facebook Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And also want to do a little shout out to KJ Valensic for our sweet Cynthia podcast theme song, which is awesome. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.